Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of To The Point Podcast. Hope you guys all had a great weekend. Uh, we are now into February. Uh, the month of January just flew by with, obviously, the province going into to red and all the different cases, but um, trying to stay positive here on my end. Uh, we got lots of sports going on. Obviously, uh, we're leading in here to Super Bowl week um, with the Super Bowl this Sunday. All week, there'll be storylines. Obviously, it's a different year with uh, Kansas City. They're not actually going to Tampa Bay until Friday, which is really abnormal. A normal year, um, they would be in Tampa right now. Uh, and today is normally media day where, you know, every big uh, media person in the world is down there. They ask all the uh, players questions, the coaches, and it's normally a different media experience than we see um, on normally because it's there's some reporters like Jimmy Fallon usually sends a some guy and he asks some like really satirical questions and it's, it's a different experience, but uh, it's going to be a different week in Tampa, but obviously Sunday for um, it's going to be a different, you know, just different uh, 22,000 fans um, scattered across, you know, America, all the different teams are going to be represented with fans. Um, the fans are chosen randomly like uh, season ticket holders were put into this vacuum and they're all shot out and, um, if they want to go to the game, they, they could say they weren't um, happy with you know health guidelines, restrictions. They could decline the, the seat. So it's not going to be a Tampa-centric, you know, Bucks fans completely at this game. It's going to be a scattering of, of, of a bunch of different fan bases. But nonetheless, we got Super Bowl this week. Um, you know, the big storyline heading into the game is obviously Mahomes and Brady. Uh, Brady heading into his 10th Super Bowl, which is crazy. He's playing at 43 years old. Um, and that, you know, he, he could win his seventh Super Bowl. Um, you know, he's played in 10. The next closest quarterback is John Elway, who's played in five. You know, that's just how, how dominant he's been. But, you know, he's going up against this wonderkin in, in Patrick Mahomes. Uh, you know, Mahomes is uh, won the, the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last year. He's already won an MVP. He's thrown for 5,000 yards, 50 touchdowns. It's, it's a, uh, it, it's, it's a battle of Titans, but you know, it's something that's been talked about last week. Cause I think as football winds down, you're just looking for storylines on these shows. And one of them was, well, if Brady beats Mahomes, then, you know, Mahomes could never be the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, I don't agree with that. Obviously these goat debates, you know, the Jordan LeBron one that's, you know, talked ad nauseum uh, on, in the States. I think, you know, I think if you would have said, you know, 10 years ago, Joe Montana will never be, some people would have said Joe Montana's a goat. He'll never be passed. And it's, it's, um, it's not Brady passed him, you know, for some, I think Joe is still regarded very highly. He's never lost a Super Bowl. He's won four Super Bowls, uh, three MVPs, never threw an interception, four appearances, four, four wins. That's hard to turn down. You know, Brady six and three. He could either be seven and three, six and four after you know Sunday. But you know, Brady is going to be very hard. I mean, he's won six, and it, it's tough to say the goat because when you talk about Tom Brady and you think of quarterbacks, yeah, you think of him, but you don't think of him because he's necessarily because he's so good at being at the quarterback position. What I mean by that is the way he throws the ball. Like, there's a lot better throwers of the football than Tom Brady. 
John Elway threw a better ball than him. Dan Marino threw a much better ball than him. You could say Brett Favre, uh, Aaron Rodgers. I mean, and you think, okay, well, quarterbacks supposed to be, you know, deadly accurate. They're supposed to be able to throw the ball down the field. Brady has done that this year, but historically throwing down the field, that hasn't been Brady's game. You think of James White, you think of Amendola running in the slot, Julian Edelman, Wes Welker. Those guys weren't burners. They're not running 50 yards down the field. They're picking up 10, 12 yards every play. And it won them Super Bowls. And, you know, even in Brady's wins, you know, his first Super Bowl, the team scored 17 points. That's not exactly tearing up the tearing up the opposition. You know, he's lost to Eli Manning twice. You're going to lose them, but he scored 14 points against in 2007 on an undefeated team against the New York Giants. All I mean, what I'm saying here is it's arbitrary. It's up to different people. You know, people can say, I'm sure there's people that watch hockey right now and they say, Sidney Crosby's the best hockey player of all time. Do I buy that? No. But it's, you know, it's so, it's such an arbitrary thing that we discuss and it, it's impossible to quantify really. I mean, you can look at championships, but I don't think anybody says, you know, Mark Messier is better than Wayne Gretzky. Messier does have six cups, but I don't think, I don't think anybody you know, that knows hockey knows, everybody knows that Wayne's better than Mark. But, you know, if Mahomes loses, I think it's tough for him, but you know, if, if he, he's been, he's been in two Super Bowls in three seasons as a starter for Mahomes Brady did the same thing to start his career. And then Brady, you know, he, he won the first two, and then he took a while until he got, you know, from 04, he didn't win another one until, you know, 2012. It was a long stretch for him. And I just think it's, Mahomes is 25 years old. He could play, he could have a knee injury and be done tomorrow. But to say that it's over if he loses, I don't. Then, then what's the point of playing? The guys, guys are going to try to do great things, and you know I'm sure LeBron James already thinks he's better than Michael Jordan. But to set the mantle and just say, well, it's done forever. I get the conversation, and you know Tony Romo said said this that it would close the case, but. I don't, I don't think it's ever shut. I mean, sports are ongoing until they cancel sports forever. These conversations are going to be had and you know, it's their fifth matchup. It's two and two. So that's another intriguing thing who will go up one, but you know, we're looking at this year, Tom Brady played really well this year. Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. Who says they're not playing against each other again next year. You're telling me that whoever wins this if the Chiefs win or lose this game, I guarantee you the next day, because Vegas sets the odds the next day, they'll be the favorite to win the Super Bowl in 2022. Without question. That's just the way it works. And maybe they flame up. Maybe they get a bunch of injuries. But it's 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 really tough to to quantify this, but I I don't buy it that you know that the case is shut on the on the GOAT debate here. I think there's always intriguing options. There's always who says there's not another next quarterback that comes in, you know, um, Cooper Manning, you know, uh, Eli and Peyton's uh, nephew, he's playing high school football. Maybe he's going to be no good in the NFL. Maybe he makes NFL. 
What if he comes in and just starts lighting it up? That's just an example. There could be a high school kid playing in Wyoming that we've never heard of, but he could be great. If he goes to the right organization, they win five Super Bowls. Say a quarterback comes in, he wins four Super Bowls in a five-year span. Tom Brady never did that. He never did it. So who, who wins that debate? You know, Tom Brady's played a long time. He went a decade without winning a Super Bowl. You know, I just think we need to pump the brakes a bit on just closing, closing the argument. Obviously, there's a lot of Tom Brady fans out there, and that's fine. But to say it's over, I, I think that's really premature, and it hurts the sport, to be honest, uh, just with the people wanting to talk and the notoriety. Um, also, an intriguing option, an intriguing thing this week is testing, you know, for, for COVID. Starting from last Monday, players are getting tested twice a day for COVID. So basically, they're told you go to the facility, you go home, you do not talk to anybody else. I know a lot of players are not with their families. They're staying at a hotel or, or somewhere else because if their wife went to the grocery store and she ran into somebody and I mean, if you get it now, you're out of the Super Bowl and they're not going to reschedule the game. So, you know, players are on high alert to, you know, <laughs> excuse me, to be, be ready and don't mess up here. It's the biggest game of your life. I mean, how devastating would that be if you're, it's a Friday, the game Sunday and you test positive and you can't play? It's a mess. It would be so 2020, 2021 if that happened because it's just been a year from hell. But, you know, it, I really hope that we can go through the week and nothing terrible happens where either team's not missing a key factor in, in them winning the Super Bowl here. Because I, I think it's going to be a great game. Um, you know, we got the two team, two best teams remaining, and I believe that. I, I did pick the Bills to beat the Chiefs, and I did that more with my thinking because I had the Bills. I liked them midway through the year. But I think the Bucs were clearly the best team in the NFC. The Packers were were frauds like they were last year. So, you know, and um, another thing, the, the line of the game, it's three and a half point favorite for Kansas City. That's a pick them. That's, you know, um, Norm, I think if the game was in a neutral site, but even with this game in Tampa, like we said, there's not going to be a whole bunch of Tampa fans. I think this just shows how close these two teams are. The Chiefs are the favorite, but for me, I, I like the line. I don't think they're any more of a favorite than that. Underestimate the box and they'll destroy you. The Chiefs are going to be missing their left and right tackles. JPP, um, Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett come around the edge. They, I could see one of these two guys winning the MVP of the Super Bowl if the Bucs win. Just because they'll sack Mahomes a bunch of times, they'll get them off the field, more possessions for Brady. Obviously, they'll want to give this, the MVP to Brady, just like they'll want to give the MVP to Mahomes because it's the quarterback and it's they have to give it to the quarterback, it seems like. It's just like they have to give you know Conn Smythe trophy to you know, the, the Alex Ovechkin, the Sidney Crosby in those two years where neither of them deserved to win it. Um, it's it, that's just the way it goes. But I think both, you know, Shaq Barrett, JPP, they could get two and a half sacks, maybe a strip, some, strip uh, fumble. 
you could see them winning winning the MVP of the Super Bowl just because they're going to have that big of an impact on the game if the Bucs win. Likewise, on the other side, I think Tyron Matthew is the guy for me on defense that I could see winning Super Bowl MVP. He comes up with turnovers. He's always around the field. He makes big plays. And he's, you know, he's the honey badger. He hits hard. He can force fumbles. And, um, you know, I think he's the guy to watch on defense there. But, yeah, we'll be talking about the Super Bowl throughout the week. If anything comes up, I'll keep you guys up to date. But uh, Friday, I'll have Matt Wright on. We'll preview the game. We'll talk about what we think will happen. We'll give our predictions. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's one of the greatest weeks and also one of the saddest for me. You know, Sunday night at 11 when the game's over, it's a realization that there's no NFL until September. And that that sucks. Yeah, that sucks. It really does. Um, yesterday afternoon – I watched some hockey games in the afternoon, but I miss football. Football is just, you can't beat that sport. I mean, you can't. Um, but yeah, Super, Super Bowl this week, we'll keep, we'll keep, the, keep you posted on, on what's happening around, around the, that game. Also over the weekend in the NFL, there was a big trade. Um, you know, I knew Matthew Stafford was going to get traded. I didn't think he would be going to the Los Angeles Rams. I thought, I thought the Colts might be the best destination for him. They need... They're about a quarterback away from being a real threat to win the Super Bowl. Um, you know, their defense, they got some good weapons on offense. They got Jonathan Taylor out of Wisconsin, who's emerged as the number one running back. But the Rams, you know, I, they make the trade. They acquire Matthew Stafford from the Detroit Lions. Uh, the Rams send back to Detroit uh, starting number one, former number one overall pick, um, Jared Goff. They also get a 2021 third round pick. 2020 2022 first rounder and a 2023 first rounder now just looking at this trade on the surface you know the rams since selecting jared goff they have not made a first round selection 2017 trade away 2018 trade away 2019 like i said and the 2022 2023 they've gave to the lions they haven't had a first round pick since 2016 when they selected jared goff in 2018 he got to a super bowl um you could say that was really behind a great defense and that bad um, referee call against the Saints. But he got there. He only put up three points in the game. And, you know, since those two years, he's really regressed. They made the playoffs this year. But I think, the, like I said, throughout the year in the podcast, I think the Rams could have won the Super Bowl this year if they had a better quarterback. And, you know, Matthew Stafford's 32 He's taken a lot of lumps. He's a number. He's another former first overall pick, 2008, with with the Lions. But you know, he's got to be ecstatic. He's going to play with Sean Mc, Sean McVay's coach. Sean McVay's one of the most creative minds offensively in the league. He's got good running backs, Cam Akers, Henderson, who he's ne- he's never really had great tailbacks in his career. Um, that's something that's hurt the Lions. He's got Robert Woods. He's got Cooper Cup. He's got Higby. I'm not saying they're elite receivers, but they're all good. Um, you know, Josh Reynolds, they're, they're good receivers. Um, and you know, he's got an arm. And I think he's 32. He needs to win here soon. And I think the Rams said, you know, we're not going to win anything here with Jared Goff. We could maybe win a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford. Let's push, push our chips to the middle and see what happens here. And I like it for the Rams. I, the fact that they traded Jared Goff, he's starting this year on a four-year contract worth $134 million with over $100 million guaranteed. 
this contract is just a black hole that the Lions have now just taken on. And I don't know what the hell they're doing. I mean, they, they want to trade Stafford. They got new head coach, Dan Campbell. But you're clearly going to have to go through a rebuild here. You're not good enough. You don't have – I mean, the Lions are just in a net franchise. And I think this trade illustrates it because if you want to tank, if you want to stink, why trade for Jared Goff and take, take that contract? I mean, you didn't get a first-round pick this year. I get you got two in the next two years, but I'd want a first-round pick this year to get a third-rounder. What if you trade with the Colts and you could get a first-rounder this year a couple, in, in multiple years after that? I mean, you're going to get two first-round picks. Get 2021, 2022. And then you have two picks in the first round this year, and you can start to – to build a, a roster, build a foundation of, of what's next in Detroit. But now you have Jared Goff there. He's, again, he's just starting his contract. So now are the, the Lions, are they just going to pivot and say, okay, well, we got a kind of a veteran quarterback now. We need to see what we can do. We need to kind of make some good signings, change, change up our philosophy here. I don't, then you're just going to be the same team you always were a losing franchise. And again, I pick on the lions, but you know, they're ran, they're run by the Ford family. I have a hatred for the Ford family because I hate Ford. You know, your grandfather owned a GM dealership. If I don't hate Ford, then I'm not, I'm not being the right, uh, I'm not being me. I'm being not representing my family here, but for the lions, I get it. You get, they're happy because you get two first round picks in 2022, 2023, but I'd want one this year. And I don't want Jared Goff. Never. I don't want him. You know, the Rams drafted him first. They traded up to get him at first overall. He has, he got them to a Super Bowl. So credit to him. And he's won some playoff. He beat Seattle this year. Um, so credit there. But he, he's not an answer long-term. I think he can win some games. But you got Goff now who's, been playing in LA, who's a way better quarterback in a dome. He's going to Detroit to play in a dome, but you're going to play against in Green Bay. You're going to play in Chicago, Minnesota. It's not, it's not warm there. And you're in a tough division, Detroit already. And I don't know. You got the golf contract just seems like you're stuck with it. And now you're stuck with him and what you're going to draft to, quarterback with your first round pick a rookie and sit behind golf I, I just think it's tough right now for for the lions and what they're going to do i would i would have found a different trade partner the washington football team i'm sure they made offers with him um but you know for stafford i think this is a great change of scenery he finally gets out of detroit they did nothing to help him throughout his career he's only hurt you know he's beat to hell there he gets out of the, one of the worst organizations in pro sports. So, you know, he has a legit chance to, to do some damage here. You got the, if you look at the NFC West, Seattle's still there, but they beat them in the playoffs. So there's that. I think still got Aaron Donald on, on the back end of that defense, Leonard Floyd. The Rams are good. Jalen Ramsey, they're, they're legit. Uh, you got, you look at San Francisco. 
they're kind of in a state of flux because Jimmy G, is he going to come back? Um, you know, their running back position, which they really rely on, has been banged up that whole last year. They couldn't keep a running back healthy. Richard Sherman's likely moving out on defense. Uh, Fred Warner may be moving out on you know, their top defensive player. What's going to happen there? So they're kind of in a transition. And then you got Arizona, who's seems to be on the rise, but you know, they haven't taken the full step yet. So Stafford, you got to look at the Rams right now and say they're the favorite to win the NFC West. Um, so good, good move for the Rams and, you know, for Sam Snead and Sean McVay. I think that's, it was a good move to get, to get golf off the books and uh, see what you can do long-term here. There's also, you know, obviously a bunch of rumors in the NFL about Deshaun Watson. He's requested a trade and then the uh, team, introduced new head coach David Culley last week and Nick Casario, the GM said, you know, they have no interest in trading Deshaun Watson. And uh, it, I can see this getting really messy because he doesn't want to come back. He was promised things clearly. Like he wanted input on who the new GM was going to be uh, possibly the head coach. I don't think he said, you know, verbatim, like I want to pick the guy, but he, um, he wanted, he wanted to get uh, he he wanted a say and they didn't give that to him and they hired an African American African American coach after you know basically backpedaling after they didn't interview any you know they didn't interview Eric Benemy and Leslie Frazier till later but if I'm Deshaun Watson I want out of Houston you want you, he was he threw for the most yards last year he had, he's a superstar court he's a top five quarterback and they only won four games with him and it's only going to get worse they don't have they don't have a first round pick. They don't have a second round pick this year. They have no talent. They have a running back who was long in the tooth three years ago. JJ Watts likely leaving Houston. It's ugly right now in Houston, but the only thing that he can do is hold out. But what Houston can do is every day he doesn't show up to say mini camp that comes in April where they show up basically and they do these tests and they do on-field workouts and stuff. So basically a fitness test. It's about a week, week and a half. You, you can find the player close to a hundred thousand a day for not showing up. And I think players have done it, but eventually it takes a hit out of your pocketbook and you're like, I need to get back here. Deshaun may show up, be a good show, uh, soldier. He's got a full no trade, but if I'm him, I want the hell out of Houston and I, I do what I had to do to get out of there. You know, trade demands for some players, I really don't get it. Uh, you know, some guys, they don't, they don't earn it. You know, if you're just a fringe player and you're not playing and you're healthy scratch, well, I don't think you're demanding a trade, no play, play better, work harder. For Deshaun Watson, he's earned the right to ask for a trade. He's done what he could do for Houston. He had the team to an AFC divisional playoff game. Then, you know, they lose to Kansas City. No, no shame there. And then they trade DeAndre Hopkins that next summer, his best receiver. And they, you know, they trade for Laramie Tunzel, lose first round picks, leave him with no real talent to throw to. And, you know, it was just, it went to hell from there. So it, it, it'll be interesting all off season. What happens? Obviously Stafford's off the board. So that's one quarterback that's moved, but Indy needs a quarterback. The Washington football team's likely going to need a new quarterback. 
know, the Patriots are a team that's in the quarterback market. The, the 49ers may be in the quarterback market. Um, there's a lot of moving parts here. Uh, what teams are going to do the jets, what they're going to do with Sam Darnold. So I think it's going to be one of the crazier off seasons. Uh, that, that'll be good on the podcast. Uh, March is the trade deadline and free agency. So I think a lot of things are going to be happening here. And obviously with the draft, that can um, decide a lot of things too. So yeah, a lot, you know, for NFL winding down, there's still a lot of news and that's really, I'll keep you updated on Deshaun Watson, any new reports, but as of right now, he's a Texan. The team said they don't want to move him, but I know he said you know, he's not even talking to members of the organization. He's not picking up the phone call. So he, he wants out of there uh, sooner rather than later. Also over the weekend, there was some NHL action, of course, and really the, the big feature for me um, finally waking up was Connor McDavid. I thought he kind of had been off to a slow start, kind of sleepwalking his way through the season, but that quickly ended this weekend. Um, nine points in two games. So Saturday, Sunday puts up nine points and was just dominant. And, you know, Leon Dreisaitl, eight points, six assists last night against the Senators, one away from tying an NHL record. Uh, it, these two are so good. You know, they're one, two in scoring in the league. And, you know, I picked McKinnon to win the at Ross and I'm realizing that was stupid. Why should I ever have picked against Connor? He, you know, the game against the Leafs Saturday night, he, he won them that game. He completely, he had scored two highlight reel goals, made Muzzin, Muzzin and Riley. He's in the, in the past two years, he's made them both look like Aki Berg up there. Just make them look like they're on figure skates. Don't know what the hell they're doing. And, you know, he's, he's such an, I mean, when he gets the puck and he's a guy, if he could, if you could score a little more, like when he gets, he gets a ton of breakaways, if he can finish a little better, he could win a rocket Richard because he gets so many opportunities based on his speed driving to the net. But, you know, it was good for Edmonton. They've been in a tailspin here. Um, obviously they lost three straight to Toronto. They get a win Saturday night after, you know, a beautiful deflection from Connor sneak it past Freddie Anderson and uh, they get the win there. And that was an important game because you know they they blew a lead, but then they came back and they won it. Then they played a back to back after playing a lot of hockey, and you know they beat Ottawa last night eight five. Um, you know Stuart Skinner got the start for for Edmonton. This was the first game this year that a goal goalie was in the net that wasn't Miko Koskinen. Um, he had started ten in a row for for Edmonton. That's he's been with Mike Smith out and no no depth behind him. It's been a struggle there. But, you know, I think the offensive production is so impressive, and he's clearly the first going to be first star of the week this week, I, I think. But they have no depth, and it's still clear. You know, Thursday night they played Toronto. Ryan Nugent Hopkins played 28 and a half minutes. It's a forward. 28 and a half minutes. And if, if you watched that game, and it was a late start, it was 11 o'clock, you could have told me he didn't dress. And I wouldn't have been like, yeah, I wouldn't fight you on him. What he played 20 and a half minutes, 20 and a half minutes of the most null and void minutes I've ever like he didn't do anything. And that's kind of what the Oilers have. You know, they have Joachim Nygaard. They have these 
players on the fourth line, third and fourth line, that just aren't getting it done. They signed Kyle Turris, hoping he'd kind of find a resurgence coming Edmonton. He hasn't yet. He hasn't shown the next step or showing, you know, back, revert back to at least half of what he once was. Um, and it's, it's got to be frustrating for McDavid and Drysdale because they go off this weekend and they still, you know, eight, five last night, but the third period, they gave up two goals and it, I don't know. They need enough. They, they don't have Oscar Kleppbaum and that's a huge loss. He's likely going to miss the whole year and he's close to being a number one defenseman. He's, he's that good. He's really good, but they need, you know, Ethan bear is not ready to, to play 25 minutes a game. I think Ethan Bear is a really good defenseman. At times, I think he's average to below average this year. He hasn't played great this year. Um, statistics can boost your play, in my opinion. You know, when I think of a defenseman when it comes to scoring, you got to watch the you got to watch the whole game. If you just look at the box score, okay, he played great. Like a forward can score a goal, and some people are like, well, he had a good game. Well, did he really have a good game? I'm not so sure he had a great game. Maybe he just, maybe he just scored a goal and then it's like, well, the rest of the game, I can do what I want now. Well, no, that's not how it works. You know, you played, you played okay. And that's kind of where it is. Um, and, but for Edmonton, they need to get another. They need to acquire a defenseman, but I don't know if they can this year with their finances. A guy that could play at least 23, 24 minutes a night that you're comfortable with. Ethan Bear is not that guy. You know, uh, Adam Larson's not that guy. Um, Chris Russell's not that guy. Evan Bouchard's not going to come up and you know save you. Evan Bouchard, I didn't think it was an NHL defenseman when he was playing at the World. Ju- I thought at the World Juniors he was propped up to be one of the one of the best defensemen there. He was awful for Canada, awful. And the fact that he hasn't been playing here yet with Edmonton as bad of a decor as they have tells you something. He's not ready. So, again, I think this is a really impressive weekend, but it's two games. You got the wins, so check, you know, good for you. But you're not going to win 8-5 every night, and Connor McDavid and Drysaddle are going to put up points all year. They're so good at it but they're not going to put up, you know, Connor had seven points last six or seven points last night. That's not happening every night. Dry is not getting six assists every game. And, you know, I, I think a lot of people associate the Maple Leafs and Oilers together, which last year I would have, I think that, I think that was an apt comparison because guess what? They both played in, in the return to play and they both lost in the first round. And it was clearly why, because they sucked defensively. And if Matthews or Marner wasn't scoring a goal, the Leafs weren't winning. If Dreisaitl and McDavid weren't scoring goals, they weren't winning. The difference this year is Toronto has improved their defensive play. So Toronto's playing great. I thought they took seven out of eight points in, in Alberta. You couldn't ask for a better road trip. They're really impressive. I think Austin Matthews has taken his game to another level. He's he's emerging as a top 10 player of the league. You know, TSN poll had him like third or fourth on the list. That was ridiculous. Um, you know, you have one year where you play the back half of the year consistently and then you get propped up. So, so far this year, I don't think he's had a bad game this year. And he's just creating every time he's on the ice. He's 
he's a threat. And that's what I've been wanting to see. You know, Mitch Marner's had a, had a great start. But, you know, at least defensive play has improved. Muzzin and Hall have really been great for them. I think, I think the forwards are starting to realize that coming back and helping out a subpar defense is, is necessary here to win. And, you know, Nico Lettinen, Dermott, these guys are interchangeable. They're not really, I don't think either guy's an elite NHL defenseman right now. But Toronto, they got they got firepower and really their special, you know, secret weapon is their power play. If they're not scoring power play goals, it seems like they score four or five seconds after the power play is over. And they got two two power play units that, that are that are cooking. And you know, I I don't like two defensemen on a power play. And I know that goes me and my dad fight about this all the time because he, you know, obviously my sister plays defense. He likes to see her on the ice, but Toronto's best power play is when they have Matthews, Marner. I I put, to be honest, I put either Bill or, or Tavares on the, on the top unit and I might go five forwards. Morgan Riley, he's not a threat. He's a decoy on the power play. That's what they tried to do at Nazem Kadri. They tried to put him in the bumper. He never got the puck and he was just a garden gnome out there. That wasn't his fault. That was just the team's scheme. Morgan Riley's at the top, but he doesn't, he doesn't scare anybody back there. If you see the puck go to Matthews, four guys will converge. All four will converge on him. They're not doing that to Riley. I think if you go Matthews, Marner, I keep Simmons in front of the net because I think he's effective there. Put Bill and, and Tavares on one unit and see what happens. They got a great power play right now, but you know it's not going to click at the rate all year. Contrary to you know Leafs fans, it's the same everywhere. Montreal lost their first game, and I see on Twitter, people are like, oh, finally, there's, here comes the slide, here comes the slide. They lost their first game in regulation in, in eight games. Like, yeah, teams are going to lose games. Yes, it's, it's sports. But no, I think Toronto has played great so far this year. I think they're still the second best team in this division. I'll keep them up. I said, you know, Friday, Montreal's the best team. I'm not going to remove them just because they lost one game, you know. I'm not doing that. So, but um, I think it, it's been an impressive, impressive start for Toronto. I think um, addressing their bottom six defense is something they're going to need to do before the season's over. Bogosian, Dermot, Lettinen, that's not good enough. And again, I mentioned Evan Bouchard. Rasmus Sandin is not playing, Leafs fans, as you know. But don't you think if he was good enough, he would be playing? Because I mean, the Leafs roll out that defense, and it it's no good. It, he can't be that he can't be that great right now, or he would be in the lineup because there's no AHL. He'd be playing. He's sitting on his ass right now, just training. So I think when people clamor for these young guys to get opportunities, if they're not playing, there's usually a good reason. I mean, I think Leafs fans, you you agree with me? Sheldon Keith's not a bad coach. You like him, right? You hated Mike Babcock, even though he was right on most things he said. But now you have your, your nice coach who's, you know, not as uh, temperamental and he's not, you know, Mike Babcock. He's – Sandy would be playing if he was ready. That's, and I think that's the thing with these young players. Maybe they're just not ready. And I think this is a case where Sandy and Ed Bouchard in, in Edmonton, these guys just aren't ready. And you got to wait and 
that's why you're seeing these guys that you've seen a hundred times and Travis Dermott, who he is what he is. He's not, he's not getting any better, but you just, you roll him out there because that's who you got. So, but no, Toronto, impressive start. I think Freddie Anderson's really turned around his game. You know, Saturday night's loss was not his fault. Uh, some defensive breakdowns and Connor McDavid just being the best player in the world beat uh, Toronto, you know, him, him outplaying Matthews for the first time this year. A head-to-head. Um, the call, I want to bring up Colorado because I watched a lot of their game last night against Minnesota, and you know, Cam Talbot played great for Minnesota. He, he robbed Nathan McKinnon in the first period. It should have been an open – it was an open net. Cam Talbot flashed the leather. He made some big saves. But you know, Nathan McKinnon left the game after the second period. I hope he's okay, um, obviously, for Colorado. But the bigger deal here for Colorado – is Joe Sackick, and this might seem like a hot take, but it's I think it's true. If he does not address the goaltending issue in, in Colorado this year, he should be fired. I would fire him. If they go into the playoffs with Grubauer and Frank Kuz or whoever played last night, because Frank Kuz is hurt, I don't even remember his name. He's not, he's that, he's just not important. Whoever he is. Could be he's an ECHL goalie, whatever. If they don't address the goaltending issue in Colorado, Joe Sackick should be fired. And he's built a great team. They've drafted a lot of great players. And I might be shooting off too hard here, but I don't care. He should be fired because that team that they have, I mean, it was a joy to watch them last night. They lost the game in overtime a lot because of goaltending. And McKinnon was hurt, but, you know, McKinnon, he, the first goal, just a beautiful little sauce pass to Jonas Donskoy, top chop cheddar. Burkowski's playing really well. Donskoy's got five goals. You probably don't even know that Jonas Donskoy. He played in San Jose. He's playing great. Brantman is just a truck out there. He's fl- he can, he's getting faster, skating, and he's a big boy, and he can mow people over. Their back end, you got Kale McCarr. Bowen Byram did not look out of place last night. I thought he played well. You got Eric Johnson. You got Ryan Graves. They got a defense that, that's loaded. They got the team that's loaded up front. However, if last year they could have won the cup, but you have these goalies who don't know what the hell they're doing. Siegfried and Roy back there. It's they got to address this. And I don't, I like Joe Sackett. He's a Canadian hero. You know, he's an Olympic hero. But if you don't, you should be fired. Point blank. I, yeah, I think Kenny Holland is a guy who has a lot of respect in Edmonton. You brought back Koskinen and Smith and you have aspirations to make the playoffs. Like, were, what were you, you were smoking more than dope when you made that decision. Like those two guys are your answer. So yeah, you're in press conference. So Kenny Holland, uh, what are you planning to do with the goaltending position? I'm going to run it back. Uh, say that again. I'm going to run it back. Yeah, Costin and Smith. I feel, I feel good about it. Feel good about it. Oh, oh okay. Well, it's, it's good to hear. I'm glad you're confident because I'm sure as hell not. But it, for Sackick, I don't know if try. It's going to be tough in division to acquire the flower from Vegas. 
but they're going to be in cap problems for a while. I think you could maybe do it. I don't know who the goalie is, but you have to. You have to address it because there's no excuse here. You could win the cup this year. You have McKinnon in his prime. You have Ranton in his prime. You have McKinnon making $6 million, way less than he should, on a small deal. Push the chips to the middle. And I'm not saying he won't, but he didn't last year. Grubauer and Frank Coos are not going to win you a Stanley Cup. Point blank. Get somebody. Anyone. Not those two. Not those two. And again, I mentioned last week, maybe it's Jonathan Quick. He's not what he used to be, but he's better than those two. Maybe. No, not, not Santos. Santos. It's, they're... There's got to be an option. Maybe you can get one of the guys out of Columbus, Merzlikens or Corpusallo. If you offer them a good deal, maybe you can get one of the goalies out of there. They got two potentially number one starters there. You can lure one of them out with a good deal. And it would just frustrate me this year to watch Colorado in the playoffs that they got those two jokers coming out in net, and then they they bow out to a team that they should that they should beat. But you know, they lose last night to Minnesota. That was besides the points one game, but it's just address it, address it, Joe, just address it. The, the game of the weekend for me was uh, Bruins Capitals. I want to watch that game. I want to see, uh, you know, these two Titans, you know, Daniel Chara playing against his old team and, you know, he didn't shy away from physical play, which I don't think anybody's surprised. He went at Brad Marchand and Marchand and him were kind of, Added a little bit in the game, which I love to see. Um, it was a tough start for Boston. Washington jumped out to an early lead. In Washington, with Ovi coming back, Washington looked impressive to me. They looked good. Uh, their third line, I think, was their best line Saturday night. Dowd, Haglin, Hathaway, I love that line. They they were all in the offensive zone all night. They got some good opportunities. Um Nick Backstrom's been off to a great start. He scored another beauty goal. Um, obviously, they're still missing Orloff. They're still missing some defensemen back there. But Washington looks legit. Uh, and, you know, Vanacek's been playing great, too. Uh, he's He was the backup goalie coming in, really an unproven guy. But Samsonov out, he said he's made every start, and, and he's looked solid for them. Um, but Boston, they showed a lot of resolve, too. You know, down 3 nothing. They fought back, you know, Marchand scoring on the power play. You see them tie the game late. Charlie McAvoy potting one in. Nick Ritchie continues to deliver with a, another power play goal. So, you know, I think uh, Brandon Carlo really stood out for me Saturday night for Boston. He's physical. He got guys off the puck. I thought he made smart decisions. But, you know, again, for Boston, you let Z go. And then you replace them with likes of Zaboral, Lozon, Connor Clifton. I, I don't think, I still don't think that's a smart decision. You don't, you know, these guys are unproven defensemen. They haven't earned it in the NHL. And I just, why, why not bring Z back just on energy alone? You know, he, he's playing over 20 minutes a night in Washington. He's been in their top four with Orloff out. He can handle it. Is he going to have nights where he looks slow and has a rough game? Of course. But there's players, you know, there's seven, six defensemen 
I mentioned Travis Dermott. Every other game, he looks terrible. Z looks better than Dermott right now. And just the emotional, just the emotion he brings to the, to the team, to the game, you know, that the team just seems happier with him around. That's, that's half the battle there. And um, so, so credit, credit to Washington. Washington ended up winning in overtime. The grade eight gets the puck from Tom Wilson. He goes shelf um, his first game back. Uh, and, you know, he, he's such a, he's got such a quick release. He's still, but you know, he hasn't hardly scratched surface yet. He's was quarantining for 10 days. Washington looks good. I think Boston's, I mean, they came back and got a point out of that game. So credit to them, but the two teams meet again tonight. Um, and they play, you know, eight times this year. That's, that's tough. You know, these points are going to be crucial in seeing who can move up the standings, you know, Pittsburgh got a win. Uh, against New York in overtime. Crosby scored the overtime winner. We see uh, yesterday Philly beating the Islanders in overtime. Philly, uh, the Islanders struggles continue. So this, this division is going to be a dogfight. And, you know, Philly, I think Philly, Boston, and Washington are the three best teams to start the year. But Pittsburgh stayed right in there. Uh, I, I like the resolve. And, you know, they play the Rangers again tonight. So, you know, I, with Crosby, you'll never, I'll never underestimate Pittsburgh. I'm not going to say that they're not going to make the playoffs because I picked them to make the playoffs before the year. I'm not going to, you know, back off that now. Uh, I, I like, I like, Pitt, I like Pittsburgh. I still think their goaltending is an issue. Their defense core. I mean, you get to be honest, the whole league, you say the defense core is an issue. Um, because there's more, there's more bad defensemen than good defensemen in the NHL. In, in my opinion, in the grand scheme of things, there are more bad defensemen than good defensemen. If you look at the five, six, seven guys in each team, they're really not that good. They really aren't. And goaltending is a really tough position to play. And I think it's tougher than a defenseman. It, it beats it out. But defense is tough. Because forwards now more than ever are lazier than ever. And coming back to the zone giving a shit about their own zone, about their own zone and breakouts. It's a fundamental thing, but it's, I think it's still really hard to teach and put that into players' minds that, okay, I'm going to need you to come back in here and at least help out your defenseman to get an exit pass so we can break out. It's, it's still not, it's still, it's very tough. I think for, for forwards to really adapt and, and do it. And it can, it can translate into wins. I think Edmonton's a team that has to do it more and do it more effectively because you got that defense core out there, you're going to be hemmed. And guess what's going in the net? Because Koskinen is not that great either. So just fundamentals like that, when you have defensemen you don't really trust, the teams that win use their weakness, but they use their strength and their forwards and say, okay, you're going to come back in here. Maybe you won't get as many offensive opportunities. Maybe you have a shorter shift. But guess what? We broke out of the zone. Our next line comes out, they get, we cycle, they get the puck, they put it in the back of the net. There's that trade-off. Um, also, you know, this week, the Canucks, you know, really responded. They would look terrible start the year. They were losing to Montreal and it, it was ugly for them, to be honest. But, you know, they respond with three wins against Ottawa, which, you know, grain of salt, but they, they beat Ottawa three times with a score of 16 to three in the three games. Um, 
and then they beat the Jets um, Saturday night. Uh, that was an impressive win for me. The Jets uh, look like a good team. They're still got another week without Pierre-Luc Dubois. Line A is likely going to play his first game as a Blue Jacket tomorrow night. Um, so it's a different quarantine rules and all, all that shit here. But, um, you know, they're playing well. Uh, we've seen Thatcher Demko really catch his game here. JT Miller starting to find the back of the net. Um, Pedersen, who really struggled out of the gate, has, has found his game. Um, so Tyler Mott's been off to a great start. Even Tyler Myers, I think, has played really well. So, you know, the Canucks got an important week here. They got two against Montreal and then three against Toronto, uh, the two best teams in the division. That's a good measuring stick for them. Obviously, Standings-wise, it's important, but it's also a measuring stick where, where you stand. You know, Montreal tonight and tomorrow, then Toronto Thursday, Saturday, Monday. Can you go home? Can you go back to Vancouver with three of the five? I think that would be really impressive. Uh, if you if you could do that, you can win three to five on the road. Even even getting two, I know that sounds. It starts tonight. If you could win the first one tonight, then you're kind of playing with house money the, the rest of it here. But it's a tough trip. You know, you're on the road. It's a lot of games. But uh, you know, it'll it'll be it'll be interesting to see what Vancouver can bring. I think you know, JT Miller playing changes that lineup completely. I think it gives them a, a little more of an edge. Um, and he, he's kind of a spark plug and a, a catalyst for that team. So the Canucks, the Canucks look good. And like I said, they beat Ottawa, but you can only play who's on your schedule. Every, every team in the Canadian division is going to get Ottawa. Edmonton got them last night. So, but you got to beat them when you play them. You know, Toronto has lost Ottawa this year. Ottawa looks terrible. Ottawa has beaten Toronto. So it's going to happen. But when you get them, you got to beat them. And you know, for, for Vancouver, you've gotten past the, the layups that you're supposed to. Now you get that big measuring stick. And can you, can you raise your game to that level? We'll see. It starts tonight. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of interesting things happening in NHL. Um, of course, there's just games galore, teams, and uh, it's going to keep happening. Vegas is... Uh, not playing tonight and tomorrow due to COVID complications. I think uh, Alex Petrangelo may have tested positive for, for COVID. They have a bunch of guys on the list for contact tracing and things like that. So that's going to happen. Uh, Chicago added a few more players to the, to the list yesterday. Um, so you know, COVID's not going away in, in New Brunswick or in the NHL, but Hopefully teams can keep playing and, you know, we have something to watch every night with the, with the NFL winding down. And uh, I'm going to talk about this more as, you know, as the NFL goes away, but you know, the NBA, it, it's, I think it's had a tough start to the year. It's been really COVID wrecked. Uh, a lot of teams haven't been playing. They've been out long stretches. Um, and just, I don't think the notorieties, there's been a lot of blowouts. There hasn't been a lot of close games and that kind of keep, that's hard to watch. You know, you turn the game off by halftime because the score is so lopsided. Um, but one really interesting game last night was you know, the Brooklyn Nets who you know, they got James Harden, they got Kevin Durant, they got um, Kyrie Irving. They're playing the Washington Wizards who were three and 13 at the time. And, you know, they got it. They got a lead late in the game, but with eight seconds left, Wizards make a, make a three, they're down two. 
Brooklyn gets the ball back, eight seconds to try to inbound it. They turn it over. Washington gets the ball back. Bradley Beal takes a three. They win the game. They scored six points in the final eight seconds. And Brooklyn just blew the game. But the biggest thing for Brooklyn, they give 148 points. And they've done that three times since they've acquired James Harden with Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. You cannot have, you cannot give up that many points, especially to the Wizards. The Wizards are terrible. They're three and 13, like I said. You need to play some defense, and they just aren't right now. And it, it's, that's their biggest problem with them. They don't have a lot of length. They don't have, you know, their center position, they got DeAndre Jordan, but he's starting, but he was really the backup center because they had to trade Jared Allen. I think they're really contenders to, to the Lakers, but as of right now, they aren't because they don't, they can't play defense and you need to play some. And I see the rumors that they want to acquire JJ Redick. Well, he's one of the smallest guards in the NBA and he doesn't play any defense that would hurt their team more than help them. You're not going to win 160 to 158 in the playoffs. You just aren't. The Lakers aren't going to play that game with you because they have got length. They can defend, but it's one game, but they've been playing some really bad defensive, really bad defensively since they have time to gel here. But it's just an early concern for for Brooklyn and what they can do long term if they have aspirations of winning the title. But just two teams to watch. I think the two best teams in the NBA so far this year have been the Utah Jazz and the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, the Jazz got their 11 game win streak snapped yesterday against Denver, but no shame in that. You know, they, Den, uh, Denver's a great team too. 76ers were down last night by more than 18. They came back and win the game without Joel Embiid against the Pacers, who were 11 and 8 and have been off to a good start. Yep. They're just, the 76ers are right there as an elite team. I think Brooklyn, I'd still take Brooklyn over them, but they're the next, they're the best team in the East. They got the best record in the East right now. The Jazz have the best record in the West. But I, I like Embiid. I think he's the MVP so far this year. Him middle LeBron, but I, I would take Embiid. Uh, if, you had to, if I had to take one, I'd take Joel. Um, and, you know, Ben Simmons has been playing well. And, you know, Doc Rivers is the new coach. I like the 76ers. I think they can do some damage here. With the likes of the Raptors not really finding their game yet. You know, the Miami Heat, who have been ravaged by COVID. They're 6-12 and 12 on the year. It's been a disaster for them. The East is really wide open. You know, Milwaukee hasn't haven't played great. They lost two over the weekend, uh, losing to both New Orleans and Charlotte. Um, so the East is, is more wide open than ever right now for a team to pounce on it. You got the West with uh, LeBron over there with Kawhi Leonard and I said the Jazz, but if the 76ers can find some magic here, I, I wouldn't be it wouldn't shock me to see them in the NBA finals just based on chemistry, Embiid, Simmons have played together a long time. Harris has been there for a number of years. With a good coach, they got chemistry. The 76ers are, are a real threat to, to, win, to win it all, and we'll see what they can do. Um, but yeah, that kind of, I'll be talking more NBA as we go along, but here on the podcast, that's, that's going to wrap it up this morning. Um, later tonight, I'll be uh, join, be joining uh, Craig Eagles on the uh, FDS Podcast Network. We'll be talking with the NHL. Uh, we're going to be doing this twice a week, every Monday and Friday. So you can join us live on Facebook Live at 7.30. Um, so you can join us there. And I'll be doing shows all week. I got Tomorrow I'll be with Seamus um, doing our uh, Your Honor recap. 
do a show Wednesday. I'm joined, going to be joined Thursday night by Brody Terrio as we discuss um, the UFC and kind of UFC 27, where we see uh, the sport going and some future battles uh, down the road here. Uh, and then Friday morning, I'll be joined by Matt Wright. He's been on the podcast many times. We'll be talking Super Bowl, uh, what, can we, what can we expect there and uh, make some predictions and things like that. But lots of shows this week, a lot of content coming. So keep your eyes and ears open. Um, have a great week, everybody. It's great to get into February. So uh, stay safe and we'll talk soon.